You're listening to episode 90 of the Tennis Files podcast. Five of my favorite doubles plays to take control of matches. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you listen in on my episodes. I really do appreciate all the support. And today's episode will be a solo episode about, as you may remember, about 10 seconds ago from my intro, uh, five of my doubles, uh, five of my favorite doubles plays to take control of matches. And um, I've been playing a lot more doubles than I used to when I was a junior, and so I've been learning from the best in the world as well as from my experience in a lot of matches, tournaments, USTA leagues, and so forth, and even uh, doubles uh, practices. And so I definitely want to share these plays for you because I think they'll be very helpful, uh, even if they're just a refresher to for you to implement them in your game. Uh, but before I do that, I uh, just want to give you a little taste of what's been going on lately. So I've been involved in uh, 9-5 uh, men's combo league. So that's uh, 5-0 playing with a 4-5 player. And I've been in, uh, involved in a 5-0 league as well. Uh, my 5-0 league is actually 8-0, which is uh, obviously <laughs> uh, you can't ask for better. Um my friends, Matt and Sam, have been doing a great job captaining that team. Got a lot of great players, uh, so I'm happy to be a part of that one. Uh, I'm captaining a 9-5 team, and we are currently 3-5 th- uh, against our opponents. So our opponents are up 5-3, but it, like, I think the last seven matches or so, or six matches, have all been 2-1, to one, and they've, like most of them have been gone down to thirds of tiebreakers. So really fun being involved in these teams and uh, playing, uh, it's, you know, it's so tough sometimes, uh, cause the matches are so late around 9 PM, sometimes even starting at 9 30. Um, so I was tough on the morning routine, but, uh, you know, it's just, you gotta, gotta do what you gotta do or you gotta, gotta take what's there, I guess. Uh, so it's been fun regardless, but I hope you're playing a lot of tennis as well and learning a lot and implementing and taking action on the things that you've been learning. Um, but, uh, I also do want to mention and plug, I guess, uh, tennis summit 19, uh, t- sorry, tennis summit 2019. Uh, I've been working on that for the past couple months now, and I've been getting a great, uh, lineup on board for you all. And this, the theme of this summit is to help competitive tennis players win more matches. And we're going to cover, uh, strategy, technique, fitness, and the mental game, and even equipment 
as well. Uh, actually, a huge shout out to Babalad and uh, Alan Iverson. Uh, I, I recently got a couple of pairs of uh, shoes from Babalad to try out the Propulse Fury All Court and the, and the Propulse, Propulse Rage All Court. And uh, I've been trying out so far the Fury uh, over the past couple of days, and actually, it's actually been awesome. Uh, so anyways, I'm really, really excited for what's in store for you all. And, uh, I've definitely been working in the morning, all morning, and then most of the evening on the summit and just, you know, sending emails and preparing, you know, the 60 or so web pages that go into it. So it's definitely been a lot of work, but a lot of fun as well, because I love tennis, fortunately. Um, and we got some amazing names like Paul Anacone, who's an amazing guy, um, they all are. And, um, Dr. Mark Kovacs, Gigi Fernandez, Will Hamilton from Fuzziola Balls, Ian Westerman from Essential Tennis, Peter Freeman from Crunch Time Coaching. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. So there's, there's a lot of great people that you'll be able to learn from and it's a free event. So, uh, that's also pretty cool, I think. Uh, and yeah, and it'll be, There'll be a lot of lot of great uh, information in store for you to learn, and and most more importantly, take action and take action from. So, with that being said, I want to talk about my five favorite doubles plays, and to give you a little intro, I did not know how to play doubles, uh, mainly because as a junior, I was playing a ton of uh, singles tournaments, all singles tournaments focused on getting my ranking up and improving and whatnot. Uh, And so I didn't really know how to play. And I first learned how to play actually when I got into college and I played for University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Uh, Shout out to Keith Perrier, who is now the uh, the, uh, Navy Navy women's tennis coach. But, um, you know, that's where I first actually learned you know, the, the basics of doubles and, and, you know, where to cover, how to move and things like that. And then, um, you know, with the USA leagues, that's majority doubles matches. So I've been gradually learning even more. And then of course, from all these podcasts, you know, 90 now and my tennis summit, which it'll be my third one this year, I've learned from the greatest in the world. Um, as I mentioned, like Gigi Fernandez, who is a 17-time Grand Slam champ, uh, and and many other people, uh, the principles of doubles. And so I just want to let you know about, firstly, the importance of using plays and doubles, and then uh, the actual plays. So it's really important to use doubles plays because when you use certain plays, they will disrupt the pattern and the rhythm of the returner. You know, if you just serve and your partner stays stationary, which is usually what happens in 3-5, 4-0, and even uh, most 4-5 matches, frankly, uh, and of course below, um, you know, you're you're just letting the returner get into a comfortable pattern. They know that you're very, very low low chance of um, you crossing. It's just great. I mean, it's fantastic. That's what I love, but it doesn't really happen much <laughs> in the 5-0 leagues. So when you actually move as the net player and also as a server, then you're going to um, make returners think twice. You know, they're going to think, firstly, they're going to think, is this person going to move? Should I return down the line? Should I return cross court? And then also you're going to force them to hit a, a more 
precise return too, because they, they know that there's a big chance they get picked off if they only hit the ball, um, you know, in the middle of the court instead of, you know, at, at cross court uh, or, you know, a perfect down the line shot. So, and it also helps you uh, with these plays, helps you exploit certain weaknesses of your opponent. For example, if they have, if the returner has a weak return in a certain direction, maybe they're not very good at hitting down the line returns. Maybe they're not very good at hitting cross court returns. You know, then you can use that to your advantage with constri- using the right play for that particular um, player, uh, and and you'll be able to use your strengths at the same time. And I'll go into that a little bit more. Um, but there have been some games, well, some matches where you know, one game uh, we won't maybe employ these plays, and we won't do much much movement, uh, uh, or we won't move much rather, and then uh, we'll lose the game. You know, we'll drop serve, and then the next we'll talk about why you know what what happened and then the next service game that we have will employ these plays we'll use them one after the other and 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 we'll hold comfortably and they make a huge huge difference in fact i was uh, talking with emma doyle who's a, a fantastic coach and gave uh, has given a ted talk um and is a uh, and is based in australia and she's coached some wta players as well as many many amateur players and um she said that she has been able to use certain doubles plays that I haven't mentioned yet, but I'm going to in a second, uh, to boost up the pro doubles players' rankings by as much as like 500 um, spots just by using the right plays. With that being said, here are the five plays that I really have been found to be very useful. And the first one, I'm sure you've heard of it, it's the poach, okay? So, of course, you're going to have the server serve at their usual position, maybe halfway between the middle hash on the baseline and this single service line, or maybe even more towards the the, the uh, sideline. Uh, so, uh, so they're going to serve from there, and then you'll have the net player, and the net player is going to... Uh, cross and ideally this is timed so that um, it happens right before the opponent is going to hit the return so that you don't give away of course that you're crossing too early then you'll get passed but this is fantastic because as I mentioned this disrupts the pattern Um, the returner is going to see in the their peripheral vision or whatever you want to call it um, that the net player is moving and this gives you a great chance to pick off the return because the default return, you know, probably 80 to 90% of the time is going to be cross court. So that's a great, a great play. You know, you poach and then now they don't know what you're doing. So you throw it in every so often or, you know, maybe very often depending on how it's working. So it's a wonderful play, uh, the poach. And another favorite of mine is the fake poach. And especially if I'm playing against an opponent who doesn't really know me that well, I'll sometimes, I guess, oversell it. So I'll stand more, even more towards the middle than usual, just a couple of feet. And then I'll intentionally um, start moving earlier. So I guess I might be giving away my secrets to any of my local USTA or tournament player buddies. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'll actually start to move. So to try to make sure that they see me moving and then I will go back. So I'll fake, I won't actually poach and I'll just go back to where I am. And then, 
you know, hopefully have a nice uh, volley for a, for a put away. So that is the second play that I really enjoy implementing. Uh, the third play is actually the Australian formation. And I recently talked about this with Emma, and you'll actually hear her speak about this on Tennis Summit 2019. But I especially like this play because it helps me use my strengths, as I mentioned a bit earlier, is one of the why it's important to use plays. And I especially like to do this for on the ad side. So if I'm serving on the ad side, um, what will happen is I'm I'm on that I'm standing on the uh, ad court side, and my net player is also um, on the ad side as well. So we're both on the same side, and then I will serve, and then I will simply shift to the right. So I'll shift to the deuce side, and so what that happen what happens there, uh, and also you can you can serve volley too. Um, but I actually uh, often like to just slug slug it out with my forehand because I just love hitting forehands and it's my number one strength. But so what happens there is you're guaranteeing basically, unless the returner hits uh, like a cross court lob, uh, you're guaranteeing that you're hitting a forehand. And so that's excellent, especially if you have um, if you or your partner isn't as good of a uh, doesn't have as good of a backhand or maybe they don't volley as well or something, but they have a big forehand, then you can use the Australian uh, on the ad side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And, uh, I mean, you can do it also on the deuce side, uh, especially if you're a lefty, then you're going to get the forehand again. But um, I I do like the Australian, and I I think the Australian is probably the least used that I've seen. Um, And the reason for that, well, besides being stationary, could also be because of this play, which is using the I formation. And I really like the I formation, because this is where the uh, net player starts in the middle of the court, and they are generally crouched down so that they don't get hit by the serve, of course. And then here, you're going to have your net player first call what direction they want the server to serve, um, and then secondly, they're going to call where they're going to go. And so this is it's actually a little... I mean, you know, it's it's a little better if you were to talk to your partner and just tell them that, but it's always nice to confirm. I mean, that's what I like to do. Even if I talk to my partner, I just like to confirm what side uh, I want them to serve and what side I'm going to go with signals. Because um, I've had a couple times where we've gotten mixed up and just uh, let the court be totally free for the opponent. So that's never good. So it's nice to double check. So anyways, you're going to call the serve as a net player and then... Uh, you know, either go to the left or to the right. And then, you know, when you're deciding where to call it, you want to think, of course, about your opponent's weaknesses and tendencies. So, you know, something like, well, I think if we serve to the T, um, we're going to get a 
a weaker reply. We're going to get a, they're going to hit a backhand. And oh, also if they hit a backhand, they have a a tendency to hit it cross court. So in that case, I'm going to go to the right. Uh, And then, you know, you want to just kind of vary this up uh, depending, you know, where you, where you go as a net player. Um, I do, especially on the deuce side, I would prefer a, um, a T serve just so that you don't, uh, leave the down the line all, you know, super wide open on the ad side. And this is a perspective of playing righties. Mostly it's not as bad. I'm serving, uh, you know, it can work out pretty well serving wide, uh, in that case, especially cause you're, you're giving them a backhand return, um, but in any case, try out the I formation, and I think you'll really enjoy the fruits of your labor there. And then, uh, in addition to these four plays um, for the server side, I have a play for the returner. And this is actually m- very reliant, not on the returner, but on the returner's partner. So what happens, and I like to do this with my... Uh, doubles partner, uh, especially when I play with my friend Victor, and that is to for on second serves primarily, the non-returner will call cross or stay. So let's say my opponent say I'm I'm returning and my opponent um, hits a f- first serve out, and then before this the opponent hits a second serve, um, let's say Victor will call stay or go. And so when once that happens, when I get a second serve, my job is to hit a you know a solid return, um, ideally hitting a dipper. Uh, that would also always be great because you force the opponent to hit up and hit a half volley, which is usually which is really tough. And then you know, assuming that Victor calls go, um, once I return, uh, the serve and it goes over the net and, uh, right before the opponent is going to hit, um, the volley or half volley, then Victor actually crosses. And this is a great opportunity to pick off, um, the, the first shot from the server and for a winner or, you know, uh, force an error or something like that. Um, because again, they're usually going to be, be hitting uh, cross court off of that that um, off the return, so that's a great play. And again, you know, it just makes makes the opposition think more. So this is a very fantastic play that um, that you can do. And one key too with this, and also with signals in general. So one thing that I've found, and actually with with my friends who I I practice with in block time. If you're if you're very savvy, you can actually pick this up. Sometimes, actually, most of the times, you know, if you're giving if you're giving them two signals, they'll only say the second yes if it's a poach. So you you really want to stay consistent. So I mentioned that because for this second serve return uh, thing, uh, sorry, signal, you ideally want to always give it out on second serves because if you only flash a go sign or something and then it's acknowledged because you should acknowledge it as a returner and you say yes then a savvy opponent might figure out that oh this they're going to cross and then they'll hit that hit the uh, first volley of theirs down the line so all you know stay consistent with these with these signals here and, and always call it even if you're just staying 
So those are the five plays, but I actually also have a bonus for you. And that is one that I've been using recently more. And uh, when I do it, I think of Roger Federer, even though he doesn't play as much doubles. But this is the chip and charge. I actually used this a couple of weeks ago in block time, and I had my friend slash friendly opponent saying, please stop using this. Uh, this is... <laughs> a big surprise and it's also tough. So this is the chip return. So the chip and charge actually. So, and this is primarily, you know, uh, you can use it on the backhand primarily. I mean, forehand works too, but I like this because it, this, if if you develop your slice properly, use a continental grip, et cetera, then you'll be able to chip the ball low. Um, it, it It's a way more of a simple return than hitting a normal return, a topspin return or flat return. And also I've found that I can actually hold this shot for much longer in terms of like where I'm going to hit it. Um, because I, I played actually uh, two days ago, no, sorry, yesterday, a block time again. And I played against uh, one of my friends, Bill, who moves a lot. Uh, he crosses quite a bit. And so, you know, which is great. And what I did on a couple occasions, which I should have done more, but I was trying to practice my normal backhand return as well, uh, is I hit the chip return. And so I was able to to really hold it and then kind of see at, out of the corner of my eye, um, not being too distracted, but seeing whether he was going or what was happening. And then I could hit my chip accordingly, which was really helpful to me. Um, so, I mean, you know, you might not find this, I don't know, but I was, I, I found it as a double, double whammy, so to speak, where it, it was awesome because I could chip it low and force my opponents to hit a return off of a slice that's going down, which is really hard. And I also had more, more, uh, more vision, I guess, where I, I knew, you know, I could, I could look at where my opponent was was going, if they were moving, and then adjust it accordingly. And it's just, you know, it's also, once you get the feel of a chip return of a slice, it's it's much easier to me to execute, especially off a, you know, a big, big, uh, big serve too. So that's the bonus uh, uh, doubles play there. So I hope you really enjoyed the these plays. And like I said, you know, I think a lot of you have heard of these plays, but even though you've heard of them, try to think, do you use them? You know, it's it's one thing to learn something, but another thing to put it into action. And I know I've probably been saying this a lot lately, but it's so true, you know, because I think most of us know what to do, but we just don't do it for whatever reason, whether we're um, having trouble uh, overcoming a bad habit or and, and that's why we're not taking the action or we're doing something instead or we we just were comfortable in our ways or something but these plays are are fun they're really fun to put into practice and don't get discouraged if you if you poach once and then you brick a volley or you know you do an eye formation and and they hit it the other way and and you lose the point uh keep trying them because it's really disruptive to your opponents it's much harder to face uh a very aggressive active moving um moving team versus a team that is has the same exact formations never moves unless they're lobbed uh so you know be smart out there um 
you know, move around and, and see how it works for you. And I think it'll work really well. So I highly encourage you to pick at least one or two of these. You don't have to use all six in your next practice, but try, you know, try the poach. If you don't move much at all, try the poach, then try the fake poach. If you already are poaching and fake poaching, uh, the next level is to take it to the Australian formation and the I formation. Uh, you know, try try out the signals on the return side if you like and the chip and charge. So just don't ignore these plays. They're really, really effective. So I really do appreciate you listening to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I really appreciate it. I do actually want to plug one book that I've been reading recently, which is awesome, and I'll um, link it in the show notes. It's not tennis related, but it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And the subtitle is An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. And it's been a great read, and it's enabling me to uh, jump back on my morning routine. Uh, that has been the key for me to have a productive day because as I've said on my Instagram page, which I'll link to below as well, well on the show notes page, please follow me if you'd like. Uh, uh, on com slash 90 is where the links will be, by the way. Um, I've, been, I've been doing my morning routine, which in turn has been giving me a much more productive day as a whole, um, just starting by exercise and then meditating and check, you know, cold, a little bit of a cold shower and, and journaling and planning out my day. So, uh, you know, a book like this has been helping me to keep these habits because, you know, every so often, you know, you might, uh, fall off of it and then it's tough to, to get back to it, especially if you've been a night owl slash procrastinator most of your life. So, uh, great book to check out, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Side note, I am not getting paid by James Clear or Babelat or anybody. Maybe one day, but not right now. So, uh, but regardless, great, great uh, book there. Uh, and really, uh, I'd really appreciate it too if you just look out for my Tennis Summit emails because the Tennis Summit is coming soon, actually in mid-May. Uh, I believe the date will be May 14th, but I'll be sending out some emails or if you have any uh, suggestions on good guests, like really, really good guests, because I'm, you know, I'm not going to do like 100 interviews. I'm, I'm uh, shooting for like in the 30s. Um, that would be good. So if somebody you think is really, really good, uh, would be a great fit for the summit. Just shoot me an email. Oh, that'd be great. With that being said, I'd also really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that by hitting the big, juicy subscribe button on the podcast app of your choice that you use to listen to the podcast. And you can, as always, go to tennisfiles.com slash iTunes and hit the subscribe button there. I think that's probably where most people listen to the podcast. But of course, if you don't have iTunes, you can listen to it on any other app, Google Podcasts too, which is a pretty good app, uh, Podcast Addict, and also even on my uh, my website at tennisfiles.com slash podcast. Uh, I made the site, uh, that particular page look a little better and have the big player there so you can easily check out whatever episodes on that one huge player or individually and read the show notes. But with all that being said, here's a great quote by Susie Kassem, which, uh, sorry if I mispronounced the last name there, but uh, Susie said, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. And that's a, it's just a great quote there. It's much better to just dive in and try something out and then 
then, you know, make mistakes and maybe you won't succeed, then you can try it again instead of just doubting yourself and then never trying something. So I hope that was somewhat inspirational there for you. But uh, but yeah, that's serious stuff too. But in any case, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Uh, I know this one was a solo episode, of course, but I like to do this every so often to connect with you all. And I'm going to be super duper busy for the next month and a half putting together this uh, summit and just, you know, putting together all the videos, recording them and whatnot. And like I said, you know, I, I love it. Uh, and I love you guys as well. And thank you for all the support. And I'm really excited to bring that to you soon, as well as new episodes every week. So with all that, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And thank you for listening to the podcast. And we will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.